Okay, good morning. morning. It's great to be here with you. Just want to kind of take all of your faces in. Uh, It's an honor for me to be here because I grew up in this church and uh, started in elementary school and junior high and high school. And my uh, um, leaders often had to kick me out of youth group for not being good. Um, I, uh, I met my wife here while we were both doing children's ministry. We got married over in the other auditorium. Uh, I preached my first sermon here. I became a Christian in high school here. So Clemson Prez has just kind of been like a home for, our, for me, for us, and it's special to be here. I even got ordained in, in this room. So uh, it's great to be here. It's an honor and glad to see you. Glad to see very many familiar faces and some that I've already repented to for being a bad youth group kid. Uh, but it's also good to see new faces because that means the kingdom of God is growing, and that's awesome. So uh, thank you again for having me. I um, will have to take drinks uh, from my flask as we talk. It's always good as a public speaker to have um, medicine that you're on where the side effect is dry mouth. So great. At least I don't have to wear a mask, right? I probably have to do this because when I was in um, elementary school, my friend and I came and stole the cup that our pastor used all the time. He always had water. And we dumped it out and put Sprite in it. <laughs> and then we waited to see him like drink it in between the prayer and the reading of the scripture. And he almost spit it everywhere. But then he looked like right at us. <laughs> it's like... This morning, we're going to talk about the book of Mark. Mark is my fourth favorite book in the Bible. I love that he writes in a way that is very fast, because he is writing to a specific audience. He's writing to an audience that is suffering. And that's why it's the shortest gospel account. And it's why he writes like this, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And it's trying to get it done really quickly because he's sending it out to people who are being persecuted and people who are being uh, tortured, people who are being executed. And so he sends it out, and what Jesus is doing up until our passage is he's beginning to reveal his authority. And he's going along at this kind of normal pace, and then all of a sudden he does this in our story, and it's like his mic drop moment of showing his authority. So let's look at God's Word together. If you have your Bibles, you can look at Mark 4 with me. Maybe it's up here. Mark 4, this is the reading of God's Word. On that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, his apostles, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Let me pause for a second. Is that a weird sentence? Like, why did he add that? And other boats were with him? Why why did Mark write that? Well, he wrote it to show that there were witnesses to this story. 
There were people who could have nullified or verified, yes, this historically happened. Yes, this was real. So it's showing you that there, it was a historical, real story, and Jesus is a historically real person, right? And this is just kind of the richness of God's Word in one little small sentence. That seems weird, but that's how it's thrown in. It's wonderful. Let's keep going. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray and ask him to bless the preaching of it. Heavenly Father, we come to you and want to thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you're a God who does not remain distant, but a God who uh, pursues us. A God who has given us the Bible, which is your word, to show us more about you, to show us more about ourselves, and to make much of what you have done for us and what you are doing for us and what you will do for us. We pray now that by your Spirit, You would bless our time and that you would be here, that you would teach us, that you would grow us and challenge us and encourage us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys ever heard of Nemo? Yeah? You guys ever heard of Nero? Half of you put your hands down. Uh, Nemo, fish. Nero, Roman emperor. Nemo, good. Roman emperor, bad. Nero, Nero was the Roman emperor during the time, first century, for the audience of Mark. He was the emperor, and he persecuted Christians, tortured them, executed them. Uh, it would make your stomach churn if I described it in detail. You'd have to send all your kids out, because it was just despicable what he would do to Christians. And... When I hear that, I just kind of think to myself the question of how do they do that? Like, how do they have that much faith? How do they trust Jesus that much that they could be tortured and executed in just disgusting ways? Would you be able to trust Jesus that much? I mean, you think about the storms in your own life. Right? You need to think about the storms in your own life. And do you trust Jesus or do you start to worry? Do you get really anxious? Do you neurotically grab at control? If you're anything like me, the answer is no. I fail to trust Jesus. I get afraid. I get scared. And what... What I want us to look at is how Jesus, 
how, how we can trust Jesus in our storms. And Mark's going to point out two different ways that we can trust Jesus in our storms. And one's going to be macro. That means this. This is macro. Do they teach us that Clemson? I don't know. And this is micro, okay? So two, two reasons. So the first one, why should we trust Jesus during our storms? Well, first, because he's the authority over all of creation. He has authority over all of creation. You might say, where do you see that, David? Well, if you're looking and go back a few chapters as we build up to this story in Mark, Mark is uh, showing how Jesus is starting his ministry and he's beginning to reveal his power. And you go look at chapter 1 and his teaching is better than all the scribes and it's showing how much authority he has as a teacher. And then it shows how he is casting demons out of people and how he has authority and power over demons. And then in chapter 2, he gets into like healing people, people who are paralyzed, people who are sick, people who have diseases. He's healing them, showing that he has authority even over health. He's in chapter 2 also confronting the Pharisees, claiming to be the authority of the Sabbath. They didn't like that. Okay? And then in chapter 3, he sends out his apostles with his authority. And then we get to chapter 4, and this crazy storm starts. And the winds are going, and the waves are crashing in the boat, and then all of a sudden, he stops it. Well, how does he do it? Look at verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I mean, like, imagine being in a terrible storm, and I just would go out and go, stop! And everything stops. I mean, this really is a terrible storm. And Jesus just literally says, be still. Like, you want to see authority? that's authority. That's Jesus' mic drop moment and showing his authority. Like, I just made this storm stop by my words. By my words. That's authority. And that's how he has authority over all of creation. But there's another, there's more to it. Who else has had this kind of authority in the Bible? Well, you'd say God. God in the Old Testament Right? Like, he's the one who spoke creation into existence. He's the one who spoke and made man and and woman in his image. He's the one who parted the Red Sea so that his people could go through it and be delivered. And Jesus isn't doing this to show off. He's not doing it to try to impress his apostles. He's doing it to show them that he has the same power as God. And when he claims to be the Son of Man, the Son of God, he's proving it in part right here. He's proving it here. He's showing, I do indeed have power over everything. Over all of creation. Everything that you see, all of the people, all of the land, all of the winds, all of the waves, all of the boats, all of the shore, everything. I have authority and power over all of creation. just like God in the Old Testament. And so he's revealing his authority even more so by equating himself to God and proving that he's the Son of Man. 
Now, another, another way that he shows this is that he shows that he's the authority in every circumstance. Look at verse 37. And the great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. So the, way, the winds are tossing this boat, the waves are coming in, people are starting to get scared, they're getting afraid. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. He's taking a nap. Right? Like if you have children, you know what that's like. You want to take a nap. Um, he's asleep. But Jesus knows what's going on. He knows the circumstances. He knows that there's a great storm. He knows that it's causing them great fear. He knows that. And he's able to come out and just speak and bring total calmness to the storm. Total peace. And it's like he's saying, like, even when the, when the wind is tossing your boat around, I have authority over all of it. Even when your ship or your boat, you feel like it's going to sink, I have authority over all of it because I have authority over all of creation. Jesus has that kind of authority. And you might say, well, why does he do this? You know, why is, why is he making such a big deal about his authority? It's because the apostles were afraid. They were scared. Just like you and I would have been. They were afraid. They doubted. They thought they were going to die. Right? Like they were, they were overwhelmed. They lacked faith. They failed to trust Him. You felt like that. And the only reason I know is because I felt like that too. I felt like that too, scared that Jesus could never bring any sort of calmness to my storm. Right? Thinking that the circumstances are so out of control that you feel hopeless, that there could ever be any sort of peace in the situation. I mean, okay, first of all, we're in a pandemic. So there's some easy application for me right now. <laughs> Right? Like, we're in the pandemic, and the waves are coming in of, like, am I going to get sick, and am I going to get, you know, hospitalized, and people are dying, and, like, all these waves are, are coming in and just shaking our boats, and there's this huge storm, and we kind of think that we're out of it, and then Delta comes and hits us again, and it's like, Jesus, do you really have authority over all this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't want my friends to die. I don't want anyone else to die from this. This is terrible. So, you know, that's an easy one, right? But think about, like, maybe it's who you are. And you might be saying, I have struggled and struggled and struggled with the same things, and I just wish I could be someone else. Wish I could be someone else. And you doubt that Jesus has authority. Or maybe it's with your children. Waves of defiance. Winds of hopelessness. You know, David Fisk in the sixth grade. Um, and you doubt whether or not Jesus could have any sort of authority over all of it. Or maybe it's loneliness. 
You really, really want to be known deep down who you are. And you go to sleep at night by yourself or you go to sleep at night next to your spouse and you still feel like no one knows you. And the loneliness, the pain hurts so bad that you don't think Jesus could ever bring calmness to your storm. But there's hope. There's hope. Look at, well, our, our story just goes, like the, the winds and the waves are crashing down, the, the storm's happening. Jesus comes out, and he, by his words, he shows he has authority over all of it. He brings calmness to it. And Jesus is saying to the apostles, and he's saying it to us today, he's saying, look, when you're overwhelmed, I have authority over everything, and I can bring calmness to it. I have authority over everything, over all your storms and circumstances where I can bring, them, bring you peace. Where I can bring you peace. So that's our first reason why we must trust in our storms that Jesus can bring us calmness and that he has authority over everything. And you might say, like, I'm a good Presbyterian. I get, I get this. God is sovereign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about me? What about me? I get this, but what about me? Does he really care about me? Because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. What about me? And I would say there's hope. There's hope. So secondly, we trust Jesus in our storms because he cares about his people. He cares about his people. Now who's leading this whole thing? Look at verse 35 again. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus says to them, let us go across to the other side. So Jesus is saying, hey guys, let's get in a boat and let's go across the Sea of Galilee. Now, you have to know something about the Sea of Galilee to understand how dangerous this was, okay? So the Sea of Galilee, you know, it's flat, but next to the Sea of Galilee are these large hills. And the winds would have come over the hills and down the hills and across the storm, I mean across the sea, and caused big storms. The Sea of Galilee was known for that. It was notorious for having big storms. And yet, Jesus is the one that goes, all right, guys, let's go that way. I'm leading the way. Let's go. Jesus is the one leading and sure enough, what happens? The storm comes, and it's such a bad storm that the apostles think they are going to die. Now, what did the apostles do before they followed Jesus? Fishermen. So they knew their way around a boat, right? So you have to understand, this storm is so bad that seasoned fishermen are scared they're going to die. So... It's not just, oh, it's kind of a light drizzle and it's kindly moving the boat a little bit. Like, no, these seasoned fishermen thought that they were going to die. And what do they do? They go down and they say, Jesus, verse 38, Jesus, don't you care? Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And what does Jesus do? He challenges them. He says, don't you trust me? 
still don't have faith in me. It's like you don't have confidence in me still. Now, you know when you get married, you exchange rings. And I did that 17 years ago over there with my wife. And your ring represents the covenant promises that you make to this other person, to your spouse. And it's a promise of, I will stay with you and be with you forever. No matter how dumb you are, David, no matter how silly your jokes are, no matter how bad of a dad you are, no matter how much you get upset, no matter how much you don't clean up after yourself, I'll stay with you. I love you. And my ring represents those promises, and it reassures me that Becca will always love me. Now, Jesus isn't handing out rings to his apostles here, okay? But he does something that communicates the same thing. He does something that communicates the same thing, and it's this. He stays in the boat. He stays in the boat. I mean, you and I know he could have, like, stepped out, walked across the water, and left. He could have said, guys, I don't, you don't trust me still? I'm going to go find some guys that will. Right? Like, despite their failures, despite their shortcomings, he's saying, I will be with you. I'm staying with you. I will not leave your boat. I will be with you in your storms and through your storms all of them. Why? Because I care about you. Because I care about each and every one of you. No matter how hard, no matter how crazy, no matter how difficult, I will be with you because I care about you. And we see that here in the story, but yet so many times in life, it's hard to trust Jesus especially when the storm comes. And we do that by running to the wrong things and the wrong people. You know, what happens is, you know, you have a storm in your life and you want it to just kind of stop for a little while, right? Like you want it, the pain and the brokenness to, to go away. And you can run to things like alcohol and pills and the internet, and they might deaden your pain for a little while, but they'll never bring calmness to your storm. And those are the ones that we'd be like, oh yeah, those are, those are bad, yeah. But we can also do this with good things too, right? Like we go to these things and think, okay, this is going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel like I have control over this storm and I'm going to be okay. And so you just fill your life with busyness or you pour yourself into your work too much, or you binge seven shows on Netflix, you know? You just want the pain to stop. And I'm not saying Netflix is bad or having a job is bad. But when we go to those things and think they're going to make us calm, they're going to give us calmness in our storms, we're always going to be disappointed. We're always going to be left empty. And Jesus 
wants you to understand, again, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much you doubt like the apostles, I care about you. I care about you enough to challenge you on, who you run, or on what you run to. And I also am challenging you on who you run to, right? Like sometimes we run to certain people and think they're the ones who are going to give me calmness, right? Like I can run to my spouse or I can run to my friend or I can run to my pastor or I can run to, you know, a mentor and think, okay, this person is going to talk me down. This person is going to provide the peace that I need. And here's what I would say. Unless that person is pointing you to Jesus, they're not going to be able to help you like you think. They'll help you some. But they don't have the authority over everything to bring you calmness, to bring you peace. And I know that they love you, but they don't love you like Jesus loves you. Jesus is the only one who can bring calmness to your storms. He's the only one that will stay in the boat. He's the only one that has authority over everything. Now, some of you are like, I really like this story. I identify with it. Others of you are like, I don't get this. And you're kind of more like the people on the shore. Right? Like, I don't have a lot of conflict. I don't have a lot of hard things going on. Like, I got some storms, but they're not too bad. And I'm... I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, that's okay. But when they do come, well, let me, before I get there, what I want, what I want to say is, you know, you, you feel like you don't have a lot of conflict and you're generally happy, but we are very underwhelmed with Jesus. Underwhelmed. Like, yeah, I like hearing about him, but do you think that I'm going to have an awkward conversation with my non-Christian friend about Jesus? No, thank you. Yeah, I like praying. Yeah, I like talking about theology. You think I'm going to sacrifice my reputation at work and be one of those Christian weirdos? You think that I'm going to sacrifice 10% at least of my money? You better keep going. Right? We're underwhelmed with Jesus. Underwhelmed. And what I want to challenge you on is that there is something bigger, and there's something better, and there's something that's beyond your imagination, and there's something that can overwhelm you. And if you don't believe me, look at verse 41. Verse 41, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. His apostles are saying this about him. Who? What? He, he just calmed a storm. They had seen him cast out demons. They had seen him heal paralyzed people and heal sick people. They had seen him confront the Pharisees. They had seen him do all these incredible things. But they never thought that he could control creation and nature with his words. Just like you and I wouldn't have expected that. And you see that they're filled with fear. And it's not like scary fear, like Friday the 13th fear or anything like that. It's like amazement fear. 
like in awe, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. That sort of reverential fear. And if Jesus can overwhelm the apostles, he can overwhelm you and me too. He can overwhelm you and me too. And he can do it because he has authority over everything and because he cares about you. I think back to this audience of Mark and think about how they were tortured and persecuted and executed, how they were suffering. I just think, how, do, how could they do that? How could they do it? How could they trust Jesus that deeply? Well, it's because they understood that he had control and authority over everything and that he cared about each of them. They trusted in him that he could bring calmness to their storms, even when they were being persecuted and executed and tortured. And here's the security you have in Jesus, okay? He will lead you into storms. And he will challenge you, like he did the apostles. But he will never, ever, ever abandon you. He will always be with you. He will not reject you. He will not leave you. He will not say, you're not good enough for me. He will never abandon you. He will always be with you in your storms. He will always stay in the boat. And we see that Jesus has authority over all creation. He cares about his people. So if this is our Jesus together, and this is your Jesus, then when you are faced with suffering, with trials, with difficulty, with storms, with brokenness, of pain, brokenness and pain, you can and must run to Jesus and trust him. You must run to Jesus and trust in him because he has authority over all of creation and because he cares about you. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming to live in this broken world. We know that you are repairing it. We know that you are making all things new. And we know that you love us. You love us enough to come into the world as a man and through your life, death, and resurrection, you can calm our biggest storms of sin and death. Lord, we praise you for this story. We praise you that Jesus is the calmer of the storm and that we can come to him and that he will never, ever abandon us. And we pray it in his name. Amen.